Well, hopefully you're doing well, and uh, and you are nice and cozy, and uh, maybe you're in your pajamas, and maybe that's a kind of a treat for you. So we certainly, uh, you know, miss having the, the the place full this morning, but at the same time, uh, wanted to just be careful and give everybody opportunity to uh, to just kind of uh, be safe and that sort of thing. And so thanks for tuning in online. If you're looking at the screen, it is intentionally blurry. As you can see, it says focus. And we're starting a series uh, over these next few weeks where we'll be talking about uh, focus. And uh, ultimately today we're looking at focus, honoring God with our time. And uh, so we're going to look over the next few weeks. Today we're doing time. Next week we'll do uh, talents and, and the following week our treasure. So we're going to talk about uh, focusing and honoring God with our time our talent, and our treasure over these next few weeks. And so I uh, encourage you to tune in, and uh, I'm going to be uh, peppering in some vision for the church. I'll tell you that, uh, you know, next Sunday we've got some really cool things planned, and uh, the Lord's been good to us, and uh, we're going to share some of that next week, kind of have a little bit of a celebration together as we uh, announce some of the cool things that we're able to do because of the faithfulness of the Lord, and uh, just excited for that. And so want to encourage you to be with us next week uh, as we kind of uh, share some vision for the church and uh, and even celebrate some wins and some good things the Lord's doing uh, through the church, even, even over the course of uh, uh, 2020 in the presence of a pandemic. And uh, God is still so incredibly faithful. So let me pray with you, and then we're going to jump into focus, honoring God with our time. Father, we thank you. We ask you to lead us. We ask you, God, to speak to us, to stir us. God, help us to know how we can honor you with our time today. Lord, we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. So ultimately, as we talk about time, it's an interesting deal. We know it. Uh, all of us, uh, you know, we have watches or clocks. Time is something that uh, all of us are touched by. Um, you know, we age, and uh, we have certain birthdays and certain seasons of time that we walk through. And so uh, there's nothing we can do to stop time, to slow time, to speed time up. It is what it is, and we're just uh, along for the ride in a sense. And, and uh, you know, each day there are 24 hours. We know that. doesn't doesn't uh, surprise anyone. There are... 1,440 minutes, and there are 86,400 seconds. And uh, so every day has 86,400 seconds. I didn't know that. Now I do. I will likely forget that, as probably you will as well. I don't know how useful that information is, but it's intriguing nonetheless. And, uh, you know, time is interesting because as we think about time, sometimes it feels like Time stretches on, you know, like, uh, for instance, let me give you a for instance. So, uh, like when, uh, you know, I was getting ready to turn 16 and, and I was getting ready to get my driver's license, it felt like that would never come, right? It felt like, you know, the, the, the months leading up to my 16th birthday were like the longest months of my life. Or, uh, you know, when we were getting married, you know, and, and we had this wedding date planned and we were working up to it and it felt like, man, that, that year, those months leading up to that just just they were the longest months of my life. When we were having our kids, same thing. Maybe some birthdays, anniversaries, just some significant things. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe even around Christmas, you know. Maybe if you get excited about Christmas, uh, it feels like December is like so long. But then all of those things that I just mentioned, after they come and go, it's like they happen so fast. 
after you're through it, you know, and uh, look at our kids now or to remember our wedding day or my 16th birthday, any of that. Looking back, it's like, man, it just happened so fast. But in the midst of it, it felt like it drug on, right? And so time is a a strange thing in that sense. Uh, We know that time didn't drag. It just felt like that. And uh, we know that it wasn't just yesterday, although now it feels like it was. And, uh, And so time's an interesting thing. Here's uh, some some uh, statistics. This is uh, uh, basically a, a over a 70-year lifespan. So many people live much longer than 70, but just in 70 years' time, here's what the average statistics are, all right? In 70 years, we will sleep for 23 years, all right? Isn't that crazy? Uh, sleep for 23 years. We will work for 16 years. Uh, we will... Uh, watch TV for approximately eight years. We will eat for six years. We'll travel for six years. We'll spend time on leisure activities for about four and a half years. We will be sick of some form or fashion for four years. Uh, We will spend two years getting dressed, and we'll spend about six months on religious activities. Uh, And so this is just a general, you know, survey or whatever, and and your numbers probably are different than this to some degree. But nonetheless, uh, just intriguing. I I thought, you know, we're going to be sleeping uh, on average for 23 years. What on earth, you know? And it's just uh, crazy to think about. And, And working for six years eating for six years, crazy. So, uh, but it's an interesting thing when we begin to quantify time and, and think about the huge chunks of time that we spend doing things. It's, it's, uh, it's a crazy thing. We, we don't realize, but it does, uh, it does speak to uh, just some interesting things. But Scripture has a lot to say about how we use time and about our time. And uh, Psalms 139, 15 and 16, uh, it says this. It says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And it tells us this, that God created you and I for a specific time frame. We know that these bodies in our life here on this earth is not eternal. We know that because we have seen many that used to be here and now aren't. And we know that ultimately we're not made to live forever. Our bodies just aren't made for that. And uh, scripture talks about our bodies being tense, being temporary. And uh, But ultimately God knows, he knows, he's always known all of our days start to finish before one of them occurred. He knows. And so as we think about that, we realize that we can trust God with our time. He knows how much we have. He knows the ins and outs and the particulars of the things that will come into our lives. And, and uh, you know, he, he doesn't have a generic statistic. He knows to the millisecond exactly how long you'll do this and do that and how many days you'll spend doing all of it. And he's always known it. And so we can trust God with our time. There's a quote by Augustine that I found that I, we're going to uh, kind of uh, uh, use through this, uh, this series a little bit, or through today at least, uh, and it says this, We trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to his providence. We trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to his providence. And so as we think about our lives, we think about how we use time and how we honor God with our time, we're going to look at it in three portions today. We'll look at honoring God with our past, with our present, 
and with our future. So honoring God with our, with our past, uh, sometimes this can be a difficult thing. And uh, if you were saved out of a lifestyle that was very ungodly or uh, you were away from the Lord for, for a season, you know, in, in very tangible and real ways, uh, then sometimes honoring God with our past can be, a, can be a difficult thing. There can be some guilt, some shame, some regret, some condemnation even uh, that, that we associate with our past and we might wish we could undo or, or, or change some things about the way things have gone and we know uh, if we know anything about uh, time is that once it's passed, it's passed, and you can't do anything to change it. And uh, and so there can be kind of a, a difficulty there. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31, it says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you're in Christ, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is the righteousness and holiness and redemption. And verse 31 says, therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And so speaking about our past, as we consider our past and, and who we have been, the things we have experienced, the things we have done, uh, you know, there can be some, some, uh, some residual effect and some difficulty there. But there's a perspective that 1 Corinthians give, gives us saying, look, you, you didn't bring anything to this. I didn't bring anything to this. God's not better because he saved me. He didn't get anything for that, except for his pleasure and, and his, his honor and glory and, and ex- exhibiting his goodness in my life, but, but he's not better for having me. I brought nothing to the equation, and so he uses the weak things, you know, the, uh, the, the things that are not. That's who we are. You know, we're the ones that brought nothing to the equation, the foolish things, the weak things, the lowly things, uh, and th- that's who we are. But God's faithful. He's faithful in that, uh, in that we, we realize when we come to God that we humble our hearts and realize that, that we don't have the answers. We don't have the solutions. We don't know what to do with ourselves. And he embraces us in that place. And uh, as we think about our past, uh, we need to know that God's, God's grace is sufficient. His grace is absolutely sufficient to cover anything that's a part of our past. The goods, the bads, the uglies, the things we wish we could take back, undo, reverse, forget about all the rest. God's grace is absolutely sufficient. We see that in 2 Corinthians uh, 12, 9, and 10. But Philippians chapter 3 says it like this, and I love this passage. This is one that I think we all ought to highlight, circle, uh, note down Philippians 3, 13 and 14. It says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In verse 13, go back there one time. Verse 13, again, it says, forgetting what is behind. All right, the Greek word there ultimately means forget. It means neglect, overlook, disregard, failing to notice. And so the idea is that we, you know, we have a past, we have a life. There's nothing wrong with that. We can't undo the things we did. We can't change the things that are a part of our past. We can't, we can't do anything about that necessarily. But what we can do is we can be people who actively 
forget, and not forget that they occurred, but we forget the shame and the condemnation and and the, the, the regret as it comes over us. We can neglect that. We can overlook that. We can disregard that. We can fail to notice that with the help of the Holy Spirit in our lives going, look, yes, that occurred. Thank God I've been redeemed. Thank God that his grace is sufficient. Thank God that I'm not condemned by it anymore. Thank God that it's not a part of me anymore. Thank God that I am not that person any longer. Thank God that it's under the blood. Thank God that I don't carry it forward. And so there can be a freedom when we are active forgetters and we choose to give God our best and trust the work that he does in our lives. And, uh, and so I want to encourage you with that today. And uh, even in, in uh, Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it reminds us, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through, uh, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, uh, who gives life, Sets, sets you free from the law of sin and death. And so the idea is that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the deal. doesn't mean we don't feel condemned. doesn't mean that there won't be seasons and times or, 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 or things in our lives that, 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 that make us feel like we're condemned. But, uh, but we need to inform ourselves, remind ourselves that our feelings are not our facts. And uh, the enemy of our soul constantly wants to bring things to our remembrance and to our minds so that we feel the shame of it again. We feel the condemnation of it again. The regret is there and it's tangible. He wants to keep that at the forefront of our mind, but we've got to be great forgetters. And we've got to realize that as Romans says, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And you might say, well, pastor, I feel condemned. And I would tell you, your feelings aren't facts. You're not condemned. You're not condemned. We're not condemned. We're free. And, uh, and so we've got to remind ourselves. We've got to actively forget the condemnation and the shame the enemy wants us to feel routinely. And we've got to walk in the freedom, realizing that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That's not because you're good enough. It's not because I'm good enough. It's not because we did anything fancy. It's just because God is that good and his work in our lives is that sufficient. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we know ultimately that God does a work in our heart at the moment of salvation and then starts the process of making us like Christ. And so we are new. Do we feel new? Maybe. Maybe not, but it doesn't change the fact that we are new, that he has, he has taken us from death and brought us to life. He has changed us from the inside out, and, uh, and we can take hold of that and trust that, that that work is happening in us as long as we yield to him and we pursue him for that. Psalm 103, 11, and 12 reminds us of the work of God, and it says this, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has, has he removed the, our transgressions from us. He says this, look, your sins are gone. They've been dealt with. They're gone. And so here's the deal. I think we, sometimes we do this. I do this, and, and perhaps you do this as well. Sometimes we go, you know, God, forgive me for, you know, Lord, help me to work past. Help me to forget the shame, the regret of, and God goes, I don't remember it. I don't know what you're referring to. And it's an interesting thing for us to hold ourselves accountable for the things that the blood of Jesus has already taken care of. And we need to give ourselves freedom. We need to forgive ourselves in a sense. And so as we consider 
honoring God with our past, it can be difficult. It can be a process and a continual exercise. But we can truly trust the past to God's mercy. If God truly forgives, then we're truly forgiven. If God doesn't truly forgive, then we're in bad shape to start with. And so do we hold him at his word? Do we believe him? Do we trust him? Or don't we? And so we've got to be active forgetters. We've got to be people that trust the past to God's mercy. The second thing is this. We've got to honor God with our present. We've got to honor him with our past. We've got to honor him with our present. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 and 24 says this. Then he said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. It's a daily process. We know that our relationship with God was not a, a one-hit wonder. It was not a prayer we prayed one time, and then we just get on the, you know, the, the, the slide to heaven or the, the stairway to heaven or whatever, and it's not, it's not that. I know that's a song. I didn't intend that, but whatever. Um, but, but the idea is this. Ultimately, it's more than a prayer that we prayed one time. All right? It's a relationship. It's a daily commitment, a daily relationship, a daily encounter with Jesus that, that carries us through our life. And, and ultimately, as we talk about honoring God with our present, we, we've got to be engaged. We've got to be involved in growing every single day, doing the best we can to, to, to know his voice and to know his leading and, and to follow him and to allow his spirit in us to, to, to make us like Christ on a daily basis. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so there's such wisdom in us just realizing that, look, we're not going to live forever. There's a certain allotment of days. So we ought to be focused. As we honor God in our present, it says, look, we ought to be people that are conscious of the fact that we don't have forever. We know we're not guaranteed tomorrow or in another breath. We don't know if we'll be here for, uh, you know, another three or four days, another three or four years, another three or four or five decades. We don't know. We just don't know. It's not ours to know. So that in mind, it's not something that ought to overwhelm us with fear, but it's something that we ought to use and have wisdom around going, look, I've got to be careful and realize that the, the, the moment is now. The opportunity is now. I'm guaranteed this moment and not another. And so we've got to seize the moment to, to, to fix things and to deal with things and to follow the lead of the Lord. And so how do we honor God in the present? We live in the moment. How many of us know what it is to be distracted and not in the moment? Man, we do it all the time. I do it all the time. You know, we, we, we're, we're on the phone or we're paying attention to these other things or we're distracted with stuff. And while we might be physically present, mentally we're somewhere else. And I think there's so much to be said of living in the moment. How do we honor God in the present? Will we follow him daily? We number our days and we get specific about chasing God in the moment. And then Ephesians 5 tells us this in verse 15 and 16. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And the translation there, uh, days are evil, that sounds interesting. If you look into it in the Greek, it talks about the days are difficult. The days are difficult. The days are toilsome, that they're a burden, that they're a struggle, this sort of thing. And uh, so as we consider the idea that the days are difficult, he says, he says see that you walk. Uh, circumspectly, that you walk with wisdom uh, regarding the time because the days are difficult. And don't we know that the days are difficult? 
our lives are full of, of just difficulties and just seasons and, and, and moments and, and times in our lives that are just difficult. 2020, there was a pandemic. That's no walk in the park for anybody, right? And then you add just the normal things of life, just the stresses of work and family and, and just our own inner turmoil and things that go on in our own heart. And, and, uh, and so we know what it is to struggle through life. And he says, look, you need to use wisdom because these days are difficult. And we've got to realize that as we honor God in the present, there's so much for us to learn from seizing the day, doing, doing immediately what we know we ought to do. Don't push it out till tomorrow. Don't push it to next week. Don't say eventually I will, one day I will, because we don't know if that day will ever actually occur. Hebrews 3, 12 to 14 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you, has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have, uh, we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. He says, look, as long as it's called today, encourage one another. Lock arms, go together. It's important. So as we think about us, we think about our own relationship, we think about, you know, honoring God in the present, we've got responsibility to our brothers and sisters, and I don't mean just our, just our, 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 our family siblings, I mean our extended family in the Lord, and we've got responsibility, man, to lock on. So how do we honor God in the present? We realize we're not guaranteed anything. We realize that our relationship with God is a daily occurrence, a daily thing we walk out, and that ultimately we've got responsibility to our brothers and sisters, man, to lock arms and go together. It's not just about us making heaven. It's about us and everybody we can influence getting there together. So how do we honor God in in the present? And ultimately, we trust God in the past with his mercy. We trust, uh, trust him in the present with his love. And so we just trust that God in the present will lead us by his love. You know, he will. He loves you. He loves me. And we know that his love will guard our hearts and will lead us and help us to find understanding. It's his love that allows us to, to be present in the moment with our families, with our friends. It's, our, it's his love that draws us to a place where we love him and want to walk out right relationship with him, where nothing's more important and we get things on track. Our priorities line up like they're supposed to. And so we honor God with our, with our past. We honor God with our present. And then next, we honor God with our future. We honor God with our future. As we think about our future, it can sometimes be overwhelming, uh, all the possibilities. And the possibilities are endless. And we don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know. We have no idea what tomorrow holds, what next week holds, what next year holds, and on down the road. We don't know. But Matthew 6.33 tells us how to get there. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so as we consider uh, this passage in Matthew chapter 6, we realize that, that God is telling us, look, that our responsibility is to, is to put him first, to seek his kingdom first. And that's it. Our responsibility is not to figure out tomorrow. Our responsibility is not to not to strategize where we're going and how we're going to get there. Now, now we ought to, you know, have some ideas. And as we put God first and as our priorities fall in line, he may, would lead us. But here's the deal. We will be tomorrow where we need to be if we spend today focusing on God like we need to focus. It's not this thing where, you know, if I don't set the right trajectory and figure all that, man, you can only do today. 
You might have plans for tomorrow, thoughts for tomorrow, that sort of thing. But all you can live in is right now, today. And if you do that well, then tomorrow you're going to be where you ought to be. And the day after that will work out and on down the road. And then before you know it, God has led you in a path one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment at a time, one decision at a time that gets you where you're supposed to be 10, 15, 20, 40 years from now. You're right where God wanted you to be. Philippians 1.6 says this, and we can trust the Lord, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You need to know this. Not only does God have the ability to forgive us and to save us, but he has the ability to complete us, to keep us, to get us there. The, the, the fear of our heart, man, would be that, that, that we would miss the mark, that we would we wouldn't make it, you know, that we would live our whole lives wanting to serve God only to at the end figure out we, we missed it somehow. And I'll just tell you this, God's grace is bigger than that. If we serve God and desire God and yield to God and don't rebel from him, don't run from him, don't shun him, don't embrace sin, and worldliness in our lives, if we just continually surrender to God as best we know how, continue to follow his voice and his leading, then we can trust his hand and his power to redeem us, restore us, and keep us. So as we think about our future, we can absolutely, absolutely trust the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11 reminds us, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. You ought to mark this one down. It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. God has great things in mind for you great things in mind for me. It's not because we're awesome. It's because he is. He's incredible. And what he does in and through us is fantastic, and it's for his glory and his honor that people can look and that our story shows them Jesus, not that our story shows them us. They don't need us. They need him. But he's so good to us. So as we think about how we use and how we honor God with our time, we trust the past to God's mercy. We trust the present to God's love, and we trust the future to his providence. He's working in your heart. He wants to work in, in all of our hearts. And so I just ask you today, are we, are we giving God our past? Are we trusting his work to be sufficient? Are we forgetting the shame and the regret and the condemnation the enemy wants to heap on us? Because God wants freedom for us in that area. Are we honoring God in the present? Are we walking out relationship with him? a day at a time, a decision at a time, a moment at a time? Are we giving him our best moment to moment and day to day? And ultimately, are we trusting God for the future that he has in his heart, that he has in mind for us? Maybe different than the one that we have, but are we walking out relationship with him on a daily basis so that he can lead us like he intends to, that our future would be as bright as his promises, that it would be exactly what he created us for? That's what God wants for us. So I just invite you to bow your hearts with me as we pray. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name to help us. 
Father, help us to be people that just give you our past in every way. Father, there's nothing we can do with it. There's nothing we can change about the things that we've walked through, the things that we've done, the things that have been done to us, the things we've seen and experienced. God, we can't change any of it. And God, if we could, we would, but we can't. And Lord Jesus, we just give it to you again. God, we give it to you and we just let go. And I just pray that you you just just open up your hands and just kind of act, you know, do the motion of just just giving it to him. Just just let it go. Just give it away. And Lord, we just ask you in Jesus' name to take all the shame, all the regret, all of the wrong things that we feel that you never intended us to feel about our past. Father, that we would understand that our past is totally under the blood. Father, that you have redeemed us, that you have cast our sins, you've cast those things as far as the east is from the west, that they have been removed from us by the power of the blood of Jesus. God, thank you for that. And Father, we ask you to help us, God, to be people that that honor you with our present. Father, that we walk out right relationship with you in very specific ways, God, that that we hear from you and that we pray and we study your word and we grow in you, God, that we experience you on a daily basis, God, that you can make us more like yourself. God, do that in us and help us to walk that out in a very real way. And Father God, as we think about our future, help us to realize that that's totally in your hands. Our future is completely yours. And I pray, God, that we would yield to you. Father, that we would trust you, that we would be excited about the things that you put in our heart and that we would walk close to you, God, that our future could be exactly what you desire. God, lead us and have your way in us. God, thank you that we can honor you with our time. Every second of time we have is only by your grace, God, and we give you all of ourselves and all of our time and ask you to lead us and accomplish your will in us. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.